Lunatic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. It's good to be with you on Tuesday. Make sure you guys share the show right now. Are you seeing right, right uh, now? I'm pulling it up right Toby, now. Share. I'm trying to Knox, find it. Knox, hey, share. Do you know we're on Twitch? We are on I Twitch. I don't yeah. even know what Twitch is. If you guys don't know, uh, we actually air uh, live on Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube. Yes, we do. And, and then on uh, Friday or Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're on NRB TV, Xfinity, and also a couple local TV stations in Michigan and New Mexico on Saturday. You know, kinda, do, do you see it on did here? Did you find it? Uh, right, I just know. I saw Right Response Ministries. They just, oh, they're already. They're way ahead of it. Yeah, tell oh, me about it. They're going live already? <laughs> they're they're sharing. It. I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't Guys, we're so excited to see you in Nashville, Tennessee, October 1st through the 3rd. Got it. Oh, Got to get there. there um, I shared a, uh, or our, our Fight, Laugh, Feast Twitter page shared a picture of this guy doing this crazy stunt. And uh, in the bullpen, Mark Dewey said, "I'll do that at the conference." Yeah. What? 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 And really? and then he said, "Actually, I I, I couldn't probably." What? Is Mark what? Dewey going to make it to the Mark conference? Mark Dewey's making it. Oh yeah, Mark Man. Dewey's got his whole family coming. All of his whole family. We call this Tough Guy Tuesday. Or is that what we're going to call it? Tough Guy. Tough Guy or T Rex Tuesday. Tough, tough Guy Tuesday. No. Why is it always we have Baptists on on Tuesdays? Oh, Ooh. Baptist what are we Tuesday. saying? Baptist are we saying Tuesday. we don't have no there tough? We, we don't have it's no Baptist tough Presbyterians. <laughs> tough Presbyterians are taken, I guess, huh? They all dead. They all, yeah, they all dead. That's right. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's true. Actually, we um, did you guys, did you already tell them to download the app? I didn't tell them to download the Come app. Come on, guys. Yeah. Download the app. You can get all the shows. Daily news. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're the, adding some more stuff. And A.D. Robles is going to be adding some more stuff in the app. Okay. If you get the da- the daily news brief, uh, Chris oh. Potts' daily news brief, we just added a new person to the uh, the week, actually, oh. on Mondays. Oh. Uh, Nick, Nick Nugent. Nick Nugent. And yeah, he has man. a podcast called Undefined Terms. Okay. And he, just excellent so stuff. So he's going to so. do daily news on Monday He's going to do daily news on Monday man, morning. And then a, we, Jesse nice. Sumter's on Friday. So, okay. yeah, right, then, so we're building it out. It's really fun stuff. You should not be missing the daily news brief. Also, become a member, support Rowdy Christian Media, get a free T-shirt, also $100 off at the conference. Also, with us live right now, we'll stop ignoring him. He's been sitting behind us just smiling politely. Pastor Joel Webin, the founding pastor of the Response Church in San Diego, California. Oh, there's still is, churches out there? Which has been meeting illegally for months, he Ooh. tells us. Hey. Um, uh, what's your address right. so I can send the feds? No, I'm kidding. Uh, um, he's actually the feds will defend you these days, right? Right now. <laughs> well, maybe just they, give they might lock you up. Too. Actually, if you have a wall of moms, yes, then the feds will come and break you up. But <laughs> he's also the husband of Megan, the father of Olive and Ruth. Is, do you have any other kids by now? We have uh, Eleanor. She's on the way. Oh well, congratulations, Eleanor, on the way. Hey. Little covenant due Eleanor. in December. Oh wow, yeah. that's, that's right. Real. That's fantastic. Well, um, Joel, thanks for coming on Cross Politic again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, last last time he was in the studio. In the house. In, yeah. the, in the house. In with the us. house. Yep. Hey, Joel, real quick, since you guys are out there in California, you guys are singing and still doing worship. You guys are meeting in person, correct? Everything you guys are breaking the full law. Yeah, we're we're um, we're obeying scripture. Okay, so I like the way you said that. So right now, Romans thirteen. <laughs> yeah, Romans thirteen. Um, as you see, the other yeah, brothers. We're in- obeying- 13 as well. That's right. As, you, as you're looking around and you see other brothers and sisters who are good brothers and sisters who are kind of figuring out how to move around at this particular time, can you kind of work through some of your ideas of what made you guys decide to not bend the knee in this or not? Well, just showing my hand, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to lead the question. Could you help, totally. our, help our brothers and sisters kind of think through some of the process yeah, you, that you guys you had. This? So uh, Daniel 6 was super helpful. Uh, I, well, just the book of Daniel in general. I, I love how we have uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and 
they're told to do something that is uh, against the commandments of God, and they um, refuse. But then we also have in Daniel chapter 6 uh, that they're, the people of God are told to stop doing something yeah. that God commands, right. uh, that God requires. And so in this case, it was praying. And uh, I've just heard so many people say, well, you know, this is different. This, is, this doesn't qualify. doesn't meet the biblical criteria for civil uh, disobedience because Christians right. aren't being uh, singled out. And what I would say with, with a few things, but Daniel 6 um, the decree from the king is very specific and it's very universal. It says that uh, that no man can pray to any god, or just to make sure to include, you know, the polytheist, you know, the you know the Buddhist is in there, the yeah. all, all these guys. Yeah. But then also he makes sure to include the agnostic and the atheist. He says or petition any man. Hmm. So even the atheist can't go and petition his neighbor for something. But no one can pray or petition any man. Pray to any god or petition any man. Uh, but going to the king, it's an official decree, it's signed by the signet ring of the king, and it's temporary, 30 days. I, I can only imagine, I can hear kind oh. of the, the oh. <laughs> in the time of Daniel saying, hey, surely we should submit to the civil magistrate. It's temporary, it's only 30 days. Wow. You know, after this, we'll be able to pray. God will honor our submission and, you know, trying to live quietly and right. not Love cause your neighbor. trouble. That's right. But Daniel, what he does is he continues to pray three times a day, as was his custom. But notice this. He also what he does is he prays with the windows open. Now, th this is my thesis on that. I'll see what you guys think. But in praying with his windows open, uh, if you if you go back and you look at what Solomon said when he christened the temple right. after it was built. Right. Uh, he established that uh, God established with Solomon and the people of Israel in the christening of the temple, a covenant. And and part of the covenant was that if anyone, even if they were held in captivity in a distant land, if they would, if they would face toward this temple right. and cry out to God, that God would answer their prayers. And so, Daniel, yeah. what I would say is that even in his prayer, and not only his prayer, but even the windows being open of his home, this was not um, just an extra unnecessary jab. This was not just sticking it to the man. Right. Uh, but even the windows being open, it belonged not to the circumstances of Daniel's worship, but rather uh, the substance, the elements of mm -hmm. worship. And so, um, so even not just only prayer, but the way in which he was praying, God regulates mm -hmm. our worship by the agency of his word, including how, not just that we pray, not that we pray, but how we pray right. and how we sing. And so, uh, as we are continuing to try to obey all of Christ's commands uh, in fulfilling the, the Great Commission, obeying them ourselves, teaching others to do that, uh, we are singing, and we are singing out loud, addressing one another with songs and psalm, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so these things, they're, they're not circumstantial, right? 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., uh, that, that's circumstantial, but, but singing, um, preaching the word, praying the word, singing the word, and seeing the word in the sacraments of the Lord's Supper yeah. and baptism. This belongs to the substance of our worship, and it's non-negotiable. You know, and it's but it's not circumstantial. If the government tells you ten o'clock, then it's like okay, <laughs> you don't get to you don't get to define. At that point, it becomes something to fight over. Nine fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Right, nine fifty nine. Go, go ahead, Joe. The circumstances of worship, but that is something that just right. there's a whole other can of worms there as yeah, far as yeah. the government 
getting in our business and so it's worth it's worth a fight yeah so I, joe what are you seeing is i mean what's the breakdown you think it's hard to see from the distance it's hard to see from media what's the breakdown of churches you know let's, let's, and let's set aside you know whatever churches with rainbow flags out front i'm not talking about those kind of churches i'm talking about you know bible believing churches where um you know the bible is is love jesus is loved the gospel is preached of those churches in california What's the breakout of what they're actually doing? You have any sense of that? Like, is it 50, 50, yeah. 50 are saying, let's, let's roll with this for now. 50 or, you know, 50% are saying we're not going to roll with this. Is it 60, 40, 70, 30, or is it some other different breakout? Yeah. So I, I've been encouraged, um, the last few weeks, maybe at most, maybe like last six weeks, maybe last two months. Um, so we, we held our first illegal service, April 26. So it was the last Sunday in April, uh, where we all gathered together there was about a third of our church um, that was frustrated with with me and the other elders for making that decision. Uh, Two thirds of our church, we had about 90, mm-hmm. uh, 90 people, 95 people who came out and uh, and they were excited to be there. At that point, I had a, um, a, a decent amount of my pastor friends in the city of San Diego who were um, frustrated with me. Um, one of my friends said that I was being pharisaical. Um, <laughs> Uh, and just wow, uh, because I, you know, every church should be doing this. And he was saying, you know, like he was saying, well, you can't make a rule for every church. And I said, you're absolutely right. Only God can do that, and He has. Right. Um, and mm. and so, and so uh, there was some frustration there. But I think at this point, I'm I'm just honestly I'm relieved in some regards. Uh, I'm relieved that everybody who doesn't like Doug Wilson is now having to kind of like eat their hat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically like the seven people in the entire world who've been saying these things for years, Vody Bauckham, you know, James White, Doug Wilson, Jeff Durbin, the founders guys, the just thinking guys and you guys, yeah. you know, like those, those, that handful of people that have been really, I think in a lot of ways, uh, wrongfully dismissed. I think the Lord providentially has used this to uh, help people see, oh my goodness, they were right. This is serious. Uh, we can no longer afford to just quietly and passively try to conserve our, our Christian virtues and biblical values, but rather we're actually going to have to engage. We're going to have to, we're going to have to be, go on the offense. The gates of hell will not prevail, right? We're, the church is an offensive weapon. You guys mm. preach that well all mm. the time. We're going to have to, we're going to have to do this. And so uh, in the beginning, I had people who were upset with me because they were still kind of in that mindset of let's just be quiet. Let's not cause a fuss. Um, but in the last few weeks, um, I'd say maybe, you know, six to eight weeks, I've been really encouraged by those same pastor friends in my city Praise God. who were frustrated with me initially are now coming back and joining us in, in this righteous rebellion, this civil disobedience as we seek to submit to the commandments of God. And so I think I think the left is overplaying their hand. And I think as they continue to do so, I think what we'll see is we'll see uh, lots of churches capitulating. But we'll also see some of those churches that have been sleeping giants yeah. kind of finally woken up and go. Whoa. Yeah, Joe, would you help me with something? Because one of the things that wait, 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 just a second. Wait, you're saying people dismiss us? Did you say that? No. Well, I was I was stuck that he put us in the same conversation with Doug Wilson. I just like what? That's all wrong. First of all, I mean, because seriously, I was going back to 18 years ago. I was I was listening to a conference from 2002. Yeah, and 
Doug and and there was uh, the whole uh, Grace Agenda conference. They were already ahead of the game. This was history conferences. This is like this is like the yeah. precursor to the precursor to the precursor of the Grace Agenda. And, and what's right. amazing is the way that people got us to not listen to this was that the University of Idaho or some guys were calling out. This is a racist conference. You know that yeah. was that was the 2006 conference. I think it was. Okay. But they they just like put all kinds of mud all over it. Right. Yeah. But if you go back and listen to that conference that they had. It's almost like a vision of where we're at right now. Right. It's dealing with the revolution. It's dealing with what's how they operates and what's going to come next. Yeah. And how we have to combat it and fight it. And and it's, it's like, like it's like 15, 18 years ago. <laughs> you're sitting here like and 40 years back and look at Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That called every single play. Um, it turns out the gift of prophecy still alive and well. All you have to do is have a Bible and common sense. <laughs> so, Joe, here, help, help, help me out with this. Too bad we don't got much of that. <laughs> that's, that's actually so. There are a few prophets, and the few that we have have been slaughtered. So there, there's a couple that's left. That's true. So we got some people on Facebook right now. If you guys want to jump in and ask any questions or chat, I'm watching the whole stream. So feel free to jump in there. Anything, ask a question to Joel or us. But Joel, would you help me? Um, why is why do you think this is such a hard? With all of our theology, with all of our understanding, I, I think some of the guys that you know, your brothers, you hang, you don't hang around brothers who aren't theologically savvy. You hang around good, solid brothers. Why is this such a hard problem for us to grasp or a hard problem for us to react to right now? Yeah, that, I think a lot of answers for that. I think part of it is just um, our two-kingdom theology, I, like this idea that just we just we keep preaching in the gospel-centered church, which I'm all for gospel centrality, but gospel-centeredness implies if the gospel is the center, that means there's something else. Something else is around the go- It's not gospel myoptic. It's not gospel-onlyism. Um, but we've got a lot of on the gospel-centered tribe, as you guys know, that it's just it's gospel everything. There's there's no third use of the law. There's there's it's it, it's antinomianism in the in the most technical and true right. sense of. The term, and so in in that, just preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, and then this two kingdom idea, um, it's just everything is about Jesus being the Lord of your heart. He's the Lord of my heart, and if we ever apply any text outside of just the the secret, quiet, hidden confines of our own personal mushy gushy hearts, then the, the only way, the only place we even dare venture is. Jesus is the Lord of your home, your marriage and your parenting. And Jesus is maybe, maybe he's also Lord um, for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, Lord of the church. But not of your education choices. Yep. Right. So we, I think we're just, I think that's part of the problem is we're just, for the longest time, we've just bought into this, this lie that, um, well, it's the very, I mean, the name cross politic, right? People, I mean, that's a heresy, that's been a heresy for evangelical who have you been hanging out with? Like, cross <laughs> yeah. have to do with politics, right? You know, everything. I'll, so never, for, I'll never forget when I was uh, um, in. Uh, I must have been like eight years old or something. We, my my mom, my mom took all the kids to go visit the grandparents in California. Yeah, and my grandpa in California, uh, he's this you know old, just a uh, old. Old, you know, old school guy, codger. Oh, yeah, and that's what we call him. And I remember he was Catholic. So my mom grew up in Catholic church. She was actually okay. saved out of the Catholic church. Okay. Um, and but my grandpa, I remember he'd always pray at the table, and I could never hear. You know, he said one of those mumble jumble Catholic prayers. You ever heard? Okay. You ever heard okay. someone pray a Catholic prayer like that? No, we're Christians. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but at the table, he'd always like I'm eight years old, and he's saying this at the table, and I don't even know why he was saying it, but he's like, "Yeah, we never talk about politics and, and religion together." Yeah. 
We never mix those. Oh wow! And that was this is like eight years old, and I was just like, "That's weird." I, you know, I, eight years old, I couldn't even. So fathom. now we know why Gabe started cross politics <laughs> because because of the <laughs> nightmare of a dream I had after my grandpa said, "Don't mix it." <laughs> no. But it seems like we haven't we, we haven't practiced that muscle. We haven't yeah. exercised the application of God's word beyond the uh, you know beyond the outside of our house, beyond outside right. of the church, and everything. You know, uh, and it, you know, as I was I mean, actually, I read Daniel. Uh, chapter one this morning and you know daniel goes into babylon and he's like this 20 something year old i mean it says twice in the chapter one that he's this young guy he might have been 15 yeah you know 15 Serious. 16 i mean he was he was he was a young man the king uh, nebuchadnezzar wanted to put him in education school so he's at whatever age he's a young man yeah. and the king wanted to put him through school university of babylon was he circumcised daniel yeah yeah the young man okay yeah, just, um, just like he's just wondering, just baptized. You know, I, just, to, I just okay, know a lot okay. of. I don't know how many Baptists have Daniels. I'm just wondering. <laughs> I just, I was just one. I just it was a question, Joe. But don't but, look uh, like that. It was just a question. I never heard that one. Well, okay, <laughs> me either. I, I was just wondering. And so, but Daniel comes into Babylon and he starts making requests, commands about mm-hmm. just even you know about his dietary you know, habits that he right. wants while he's under the King's school at, right. at university of Babylon. And one of the things I was thinking about in thinking about the topic of, of today was that Daniel was able to make those requests because he was confident in his father. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't nervous yeah. about the King, but he was uh, confident in who God was and who he was in light of, of his father. And so he's able to make these, you know, weird dietary right. uh, requests not because he was scared of the king, but because he wanted to honor his his father. I see what you did, there, Gabe. I see what you did. That was genius. You just got us right to the topic for today. Fantastic. There's the huge disconnect between our, our jokes and Gabe's trying to get us to the focus <laughs> for today. That's like, don't worry. <laughs> that was good. Don't worry. We'll bring it back around. Yeah. So, <laughs> but there's there's a huge disconnect between even how we think about salvation and what it means to how we live out in the world. Well, I want to, yeah, and, and I think you're right, and I, this goes back to what Joel was saying a minute ago about, you know, gospel-centric or whatever, and I, I mean, saying Jesus is Lord of my heart and, and saying gospel, gospel, gospel over and over again and gospel-centered um, doesn't convince me at all that you have any idea what that word means. And, yeah. If, yeah. and if you say, right. it's just, you know, Lord of my heart, you just told mm. me you don't understand the gospel. That, that's yeah. what you just told me. Well, that's, now, yeah. I mean, I know people really are saved in situations like that. God is Lord, so he can save them, even yeah. with a truncated gospel, with a watered-down right. gospel. But if you think the gospel only applies for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, and that it does not apply to politics, that it does not apply to Hollywood, that it does not apply yeah. to culture, then you don't know what the gospel is. Like and you, it doesn't sound like the power of God. No, it's, it's, My Bible tells me that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And, that, and, and it's not just saving individuals, but it's, it is saving, it is redeeming, restoring nations and cultures and societies and business and entertainment and law right. and legislation. And, right. Like, so it's, it's just, it's not a very powerful gospel if the only thing it can do is just change one individual heart. I mean, that is the fundamental message sure. of the gospel in changing. I think that's that you guys have said this before, but I, it's like, well, it's all about the Great Commission, the Great Commission. But it, like, we never ask the implicit question of, but what happens if we actually were successful? Like, what does it look yeah. like to disciple the nations, right? Right, and to baptize them into the name of the Triune God, right. and to teach them? We always forget this part of the Great Commission, but then to go on in a lifelong process of teaching and discipling them in obey o- obedience to all of Christ's 
commands. And I, I think it's just this mentality. So eschatology comes into play, yeah. right? We're just shining brass on a sinking ship. But if you actually believe that, that the knowledge of God is going to fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea, and that the Great Commission, that we can actually, the church can actually be successful in accomplishing it, then, then, then what does it eventually look like to disciple the nations? Well, it looks like like Christian governments. It, it looks like Christian media. It looks like starting Christian schools and publishing companies and all those kinds of things that I think you guys are doing really well in Moscow. I mean, if, so. if, if Jesus is Lord of your life, then at what point do you get to tell the, the Lord of your life that he's not welcome? Like yeah. you go right. into you go to school and be like, I'm sorry, Jesus, you need to stay out here. Not welcome. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to the the state house now. Jesus, you're going to have to stay out here. It's a bad understanding of the heart, right? Because if Jesus is the Lord of my heart, but my Bible tells me that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. Then why do we have all these people saying Jesus is Lord of their heart, but their mouths are silent in cowardice and fear? Right. Right. Because if out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth can't help but speak because that's the whole thing with James. James is saying, look, if a man can tame his tongue, then he's he, he's a perfect man. Because if you can get that down, you right. get everything else down. Because the tongue is so – it's an untamable beast. It, it's it's a raging fire that can't be hedged in. It's And and so what he's saying, he's speaking – you know, giving the negative example. But he's saying if you could actually be sinless in your speech, then you would be sinless in, in every other realm of your life. And so – so my thought is, you know, James is saying because of sin, indwelling sin, you can't have a perfect tongue. You can't have perfect speech. You're going to slip, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering, Jesus is Lord of my heart. Shouldn't I be, shouldn't the reverse also be true that I'm slipping in terms of, yeah, I'm slipping because of still I have indwelling sin. Sin still resides within the members of my being. So in my speech, I'm slipping up and I'm saying things I shouldn't. But if Jesus really is Lord of my heart, shouldn't I also slip in the other direction from time to time where yeah. I... I'm slipping and saying Black Lives Matters is is an antithesis to the gospel, or the, the, shouldn't those slips happen? But I don't. Right. I mean, we're really careful. I never see those slips. I, I they're, they're very rare. Yeah, so G- I'm just, Gabe has a lot of those slips. <laughs> my, my wife is like, she's like, you preach it, Joel. <laughs> so, tame, that, tame that tongue wrench on facebook on facebook we got a few questions yeah. on facebook we'll get to so joe here's a question for you from hannah in regards to civil disobedience what are your thoughts on the women who deface the black lives mural in front of trump tower Ooh. vandalism or righteous civil disobedience that's bevelin Beatty or something yeah Beatty. Beatty. I don't know. Can one of you guys answer that first? <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe. No, this is what it's wait, about. Wait, it's so, on you. Wait, wait. So what so, do they do? So this, this black, these two black Christian women, okay. um, you know, they painted, painted Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower in New York. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. On the, on the, um, on the street? Yeah. It's the New the York City, City thing. The city yeah, yeah, yeah. along with the, the Blasio movement. and his Yeah, Blasio and all that. Okay. So these two women okay. came and got buckets of paint and just splattered it all over. Right. Black paint splattered right. over Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Cops came, and, and she's basically, like, on her knees with her. She's saying was, black lives don't matter. Yeah. They don't matter. Uh, um, actually, refund the police. You yeah. know? And so yeah. she's, but and this she is not the Jesus first. matters. Okay. She, yeah. All right. So that's the concept. So, okay. van- vandalism or righteous disobedience? Joel. Yeah. So what I'm doing in California, I'll answer like this. What I'm doing in California is obeying God's clear command. Commandments, and when the government tells me that I can't, um, I say that I can, um, and I can because of the Word of God first and foremost. But then also because my government actually did tell me that I can, because the highest civil magistrate in our land, by design, is not a human official, but rather a document that still extends to me, at least for now. 
um, freedom of religion, uh, freedom to gather peacefully, those kinds of things. So what I'm doing is something that I have uh, a clear obligation. Not only it's not only is it permissible, but I'm obligated and commanded by God. Um, it's permissible in the Constitution. It is commanded in the Scripture. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I think I would have a harder time saying, all right, the Scripture commands me um, because this property has already been defaced. I'm going to deface it with a different message. Um, I, that's just, I'm not, I, I don't want to say, cause I kind of like it, you know, I, I <laughs> that, that, the flesh like, is willing <laughs> go on air saying that's not a fight that I would choose to fight. Yeah. So let me just say that. So I don't, I don't know if I feel confident to say it's immoral, uh, but I also don't want to vouch for a Christian let, saying, yeah, that's, that's well, what you, that's where you draw the line. That's the fight you should engage in. Well, Joe, let's do this. Let's do it's this. Great. Let's say that this is a member of your church. You've yeah. been in a battle with the city and this mural is right downtown. And one of your church members who you've been knowing goes and pulls this and does this in front of the mural and paints all over it. Do you bail him out of jail? Well, no, no. That's yeah, not the, I would bail that's, him out of jail. Of course, you bail your church member out of jail, Gabe. What, what is the what is the conversation? I leave him. I leave him. I'm like, that's on you, Joel. As you, as you look at this, as you look at what you're doing and how you already are fighting, as you look at this, and this is your member, how do you engage this conversation with them? I think the same way I just did. I, I think I would just say, you know what? Let's let's not um, let's do, let's let's reengage our eff- efforts elsewhere. I think we have enough bi- battles that we can fight uh, where we have. Just a clear support um, from the Word of God and from our Constitution. Um, battles that we can fight, um, that we should fight, that we have to fight, we must fight. Um, so let's just let's let's focus our attention on that. But I'm not gonna. I wouldn't really reprimand them. I'd say, hey, I see what you did there. I might, you know, when the cameras turn, give them a little high five real quick, and you know, and <laughs> let me show you a more excellent <laughs> way. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I see your heart in this. I think that's, I think that's really good. But I think there's some better battles to fight. That's I, all I would say. I'd say the way I look at this is a little bit like, I mean, um, Daniel in Babylon picked on vegetables, and you know, so I think there's a wisdom call here for sure. On- but he had permission. You know what I mean? Like he. He had permission. He he made the request. He said, "Let me sure. do this regiment ten days. We'll test it, see if it works." Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just don't want to. I don't want to yeah. fight fire with fire. And, and the, the, the like, permission hey. point. It's a fine point. But I, my my point is, is I I don't know if it's the right move for her. I mean, I uh, I think there there could be some value there and some benefit there. Um, she is a black woman making a good statement about the issues, and so she has some rhetorical. Yeah. Uh, positioning there that's really hard to argue against. I, I like the move that's been going on where they've been painting baby lives matters in front of Planned Parenthoods. Yeah, I think, uh, to me, that, that I'm more for that kind of thing. Well, um, there was a, I think there was, a, I can't remember what city or town it was, but they said, can we paint um, Trump 2020? Yeah, Trump 2020 and they took the Black Lives Mural down. Cause they, they because wanted they wanted to treat everyone equally. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, like, we ain't putting yeah, Trump 2020 so on our it, side. The, the play was kind of, yeah. like you said, was around on the other so side. I, I like that play. Um, I, You know, I would just want to see, like, what if the women just, they did a video and, and, and they just, they cleaned it up. And then in the video, you know, they, they just said, like, all the statements that they painted, they just verbally said them as they were cleaning it up or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's all I'm saying. I, again, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel confident enough to say it was yeah. wrong. I'm, I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I think there's other fights we could fight. And even with that fight, I think there's a more strategic play where yeah. like, we're out actually cleaning up vandalism and then just verbally making our statement with free speech remember that you know and, and yeah. you know you know 
At this, I, point, I at this point, I, I'm I'm just gonna say, way to go, ladies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's like I think we're in a food fight, and it's sort of like you know I don't like the way you threw that banana. Yeah, it's like well, yeah. you know. I, I sometimes I like the way you know what, what is it? Uh, what was it? D.L. Moody. Uh, I like my way of doing things versus your way, way of, of not, not doing, doing them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, and that, that's it, a fallacy. That just means that, no. That just means that's every, a fallacy. That just means there's there's different places for different people. Uh, sure, but um, okay. I, I'm gonna shut up. Come on, come on, come on. Engage. Engage. You got to turn it up. You got to turn it up. Oh, come on. I was trying to make music. Look, we we need to be. It's not just like the way you threw that banana. Anna, you have to ask first, like, does God give us permission through the agency of his word to have food fights? Yeah. And maybe he does. All right. So, I mean, the, the analogy, you know, we got, got to apply. Well, what is a food fight again? Yeah, Paul. Paul was in a food fight. But, but I think painting over with black is not actually defacing. They're actually putting it back to its original state. Yeah, that, that's that's right. So uh, I just and I was confused on that's why I don't feel very confident to make a strong statement either way. Um, but I, I think Gabe said and so maybe I'm missing this. I, did they just paint it black? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar well, with the story. I mean, they spilled paint all over the place and rubbed it. <laughs> uh, here, here, so just some quick observations. I think that we are in a particular place that we are willing to have any type of hero go and fight for us. Yeah. And when we see somebody who shows some boldness to get up there at yep. any point in the battle yep. um, and do something, regardless if I, it's right or wrong, I think we're willing to jump on it so fast because we're like, finally, somebody's fighting and doing something. Yeah. But with you talk. So that, that's what I'm saying. So I is if you're you know, if it's me on the air with you guys right now, there's a difference between me like advocating and encouraging oh, Christians sure. everywhere to do this versus as a local pastor. Let's say these two women are members of my church. I'm not going to, I'm with you, Chuck. I'm not going to reprimand them. I'm going to be like, I, you know what? I'm glad you did something. And here, let me give you a list of 10 other things that I think might be better to do, but good on you for getting out there and doing something. Sure. So I'm not saying like, let's, let's discipline. Yeah. So I, I'm not, no, no, uh, but I think there's, there's something in between not disciplining, but also not encouraging. The, you, um, you know what I mean? There is okay. a, I, Ray Comfort years ago, they had a mural in California where there was this naked lady and his, they put it in his neighborhood as a huge poster billboard they put up okay. and, and she was not dressed very well and scantily dressed. And so he went to his house and grabbed a stapler gun, an electric stapler with some sort of stapler and a blanket and went to this mural and stapled it up uh-huh. and covered her up and then called the people and said, I just want to let you know somebody posted a naked woman on this huge mural. And don't worry, I fixed it. I covered up her nakedness because I don't want a man to see her and then come rape my daughter because he gets filled with lust. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> you know, he took, you know, and so I respect those kind of moves. But there's a few things that I want to make known. Um, it was a man who <laughs> did something in, in that I think he should be doing um, and I don't have and he definitely called him and told me he was going to be doing it and said hey I'll, I'll pay for whatever damages might have been done or whatever but I, I want to keep certain standards in place and even in our battle so that we don't give up of course the blessing of God when we fight of course and you know and so that's important to me too it's like you know um, and I want to I want to remember too look I'm grateful for solid and bold and courageous women um, and that's why I married my wife Right. Who, who mothers my seven children, who, Message. you know, who wakes up every morning and staying up late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to, you know, and I want to go fight the kind of battle. So if anything, I would say, OK, maybe is there a way for us to be bolder as men? Because if we have women that we have to stand behind and cheer on, we should be ashamed of ourselves. 
Oh, sure. no, you know, and, and, and so I want to I want to say, OK, I see that. And like you said, I, I, OK, there's something here we should probably deal with. Um, OK, let me how do I need to engage in battle? Because right. I want to say that the way that. I, OK, I was looking around. I was like, OK, why is it that women superheroes don't work? Because right now with the feminist movement and because of Black Lives Matter, they are pushing this new agenda for woman heroes down our throat. Mm-hmm. And and I, we watched some, me and Sharon watched something. It was like, it just doesn't work. Why does this narrative not work? Mm-hmm. It's because well, they, they got the arc wrong and they make the woman a man in order to be able to make yeah. us enjoy it. Right. And we know it doesn't work because we know she's a woman. Right. And so they're setting us up for trans and un, you know, yeah. unintentionally, we're buying it right? because we like to see strong women cross dresser. But what we make strong women is man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right. And what right. I don't want to do is when I see strong women, um, I, I want to make sure I acknowledge what's masculine, what men should be doing mm. and then what women should be doing and what strong women should be acting like. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be able to define those well. Sure. And I don't think right now I, we're in battle. We just wanted to say anybody who's being strong, that's good. And I don't want to yeah, say I, that. And, and, and I want to say at the same time, shame on us. But I don't, I don't mind some women just, painting over a just, stupid mural. It's not that. I've seen her do more than that. Oh, okay. I've seen her I open know, her preaching. Her. I've seen her doing other things. And yeah. I think there's some, you know, in a sense, I think she has a lot of zeal, a lot of passion. And I'm yeah. grateful for a lot of things she's done. Um, I also think that she knows how to get the attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, and so I, I just want to be careful about doing, and everybody's running and flocking right now and grateful for her. And I'm saying, Boy, guys, be careful that we don't act the same way the other side acts just because we have somebody out there and it's like, oh, sure. this is our Saul. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, give us a king like everybody else. Give us a fight like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need to and we need to protect our women. Yeah. And I want to protect yeah. her. Sure. <laughs> right. In the same way. Sure. And so anyway, that's there's probably a bunch to say in there. All right, Joe, last words to you, buddy. Well, I was just going to say, I think one of the ways that you can protect your women is by. If nothing else, let's say, let's just hypothetically say we agree with what was done. Again, if these are two women in my church, I would be meeting with them. And let's say theologically, I think that's precisely what should have been done, the act itself. Well, then my pastoral meeting with those women would be speaking to their husbands and saying, why didn't you do it? You know, I, I would I would just want to encourage. So I just want us to be consistent as we do this, as we stand against, you know, BLM or we do this or we do that. I don't, I don't want to... Um, I want to have a consistent worldview all the way through, seamless. So I don't, I don't want to be, you know, complementarian and, and say, like, we really believe that men are, are those who are called to wield the sword and to fight and all those kinds of things. And then, but then, on the other hand, you know, send our women into battle for us. So, I, sure. you know, I just would want to, you know, I think part of being a strong woman is, you know, that, that beauty, inward beauty in the sight of God, a quiet and gentle spirit. She does not fear anything that is frightening um, but like when Deborah goes to war, she, I mean, she's clear. She says, I, I'm going to go, but it's going to be to your shame. I'll accompany you, you right. know, into war, but it'll be to your shame. The glory will be given to a woman and that'll be shameful for a man. So I would just want to, as we do this, like, yeah, let's fight. But, um, let's say it's right to go ahead and, and do what those two women did to the property. Well, then 
then let's if it's right, then let's go ahead and get uh, let's make that a ministry in our church. Get ten male volunteers and send them out to do it. So you, um, one, I think the foundation of us of men knowing what their calling is as men and women knowing what their calling is as women. That fundamentally, that's not going to be possible if we don't know who we are in Christ. Amen. If we if we don't know that we are secure in Him, that that's the foundation. And um, you've got this book, Am I Truly Saved? I think we've, um, we've promoted it here uh, on the show before. Um, but um, connect the dots for us. Um, Gabe was trying to connect the dots earlier, and then we interrupted him. But um, he pointed out that Daniel's able to stand in Babylon because of his security, knowing who he was, that he belonged to God, um, that he did not belong to the king. He would serve the king, but he wasn't the king's man. Um, right. Connect the dots for us. Why does the church right now um, actually need um, a, a security in their salvation, a security in who they are in Christ, in order uh, to face uh, the current crazy? Yep. So the phrase that's been ringing in my head for weeks now is just uh, the assurance of salvation in the midst of a cancel culture. The assurance of salvation in the midst of a cancel culture. Um, one thing that I think we have to get down as the people of God, we need to understand in our soft evangelifish churches, we've got to understand that no person will, uh, first, I think we get this, no person will ever love God unless God first gives them eyes to see uh, his love for them. And mm-hmm. so people can, you know, they can outwardly, right, anything not done in faith is sin. So, so there are people who are unregenerate and, you know, they're not utterly depraved, they're totally depraved. And so they can do things in their in the, at the level of action behavior that outwardly, are you know aligned with the moral will of God, but they don't, don't actually have faith. They don't actually love God. Uh, in order for someone to truly love God from the heart, but like we we're talking about earlier, loving them from the heart in such a way that it begins to um, command their mouth and hands and feet. If a person loves God like that, it's because they've seen God's love for them. Um, my my fear is that that gospel has been preached. Um, that that okay, people aren't going to love God unless they know how much God loves them in the gospel. But there's another piece that I'm, I'm afraid we've missed, and that's the fact that the love of God, I believe, has been lost on a generation that has not been properly taught the fear of God. Mm. Uh, I'll say it again. The love of God, I think, has been lost. So we, we tell, right, we preach this gospel and say, you're never going to actually love God unless you first, like the Apostle Paul said, it's a personal gospel. You recognize that the Son of God loved me, not just that he loved someone somewhere out there, but he loved me, and he gave himself up. For me, and so that to believe that Christ died for me and that, that God loves me um, is paramount. I'm not going to love Him, and I'm not going to live for Him unless I love Him. I'm not going to love Him unless I know He loves me. But the love of God for me, I think, loses its potency if I don't understand. If I don't first fear God, and if I don't fear God, then I'm going to fear someone. And typically, if I don't fear God, it's going to be fearing. Man. So I think of Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, where it says, Do not fear those who can kill the body or destroy the body, but afterwards uh, cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Mm. And so I think it's important for us to understand that uh, we must first fear God. We must understand that before, you know, First John, it starts with God is light. So, so he doesn't come in with God is love until way later, mm-hmm. like chapter 4. Five of First John, which is all about assurance, he doesn't start talking about God is love until he's first established in chapter one. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. That is no moral imperfection at all. He is light. He is holy, holy, 
holy. And on the backdrop of the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, and the fact that we all stand apart from Christ and his finished work, we all stand justly condemned. That's where the gospel really hits our hearts. That's where it's really good news. That's where the love of God actually means something. Yeah. Um, got a bunch of people in the church today are like, yeah, I, sure, we tell them God loves them. And they're like, of course, why wouldn't he love me? <laughs> I'm, incredible, I'm incredibly lovable. And so we, we get people to fear God so we don't fear man. Then we can introduce the love of God, a love of God that has a currency. It has grit. It actually means something. And then people can't help but love God in return. And as they love God, they'll begin to live for God. So what I, I'd like to say real quick, and I'll turn it back to you guys, but um, I, I want people to understand that the assurance of salvation and sanctification, I, I believe, are profoundly connected. In other words, being firmly rooted in the love of God is the context for sanctification, a.k.a. genuine change, genuine change. And so the fear of man, it, it doesn't actually have that fear of man that our culture is saturated with. It doesn't actually have the power to change a person's heart. Everyone who is a racist 10 years ago is still a racist. There's just a new orthodoxy that they're trying really, really hard not to break so that they don't get canceled with this new cancel culture. But true change from the heart, and it doesn't just stay in the heart, right? We're kaipering it. It works out of the heart to the hands and feet. Like Doug always says, theology coming out of your fingertips. And so that, that real true heart change that affects how we live, it's only possible for the Christian through repentance and faith kind of two sides of the same coin, sanctification, real change. And I think the bedrock, the fuel for real sanctification, real repentance, a.k.a. real change, is is not fear, and it's certainly not fear of man, but it actually is the bedrock of the security of the love of God. When I know that God loves me, how do you learn to do a tightrope? You're never going to learn unless you try, and you're never going to try unless there's a net underneath. Right, because if, if if the process is I fall once and you're dead, splat, then nobody's going to practice because practice is too risky. And in our culture, our cancel culture today, where three tweets from 14 years ago can get you fired from your job, no nobody is actually even going to attempt to engage people of other ethnicities or other views and actually love them in the way Jesus calls us to love them because it's too risky. Yeah. And, and and so I think that assurance of salvation, it, it produces the net under the that high wire where we can practice actually exercising love for God and love for neighbor, knowing that when we fall, we're not indefinitely forever ruined and canceled, but we're caught in the assurance of salvation, which again, I think is the fuel and the context that provides the safety for sanctification and real change. And so I think, well, how do we become new people, new creatures? How, how do we actually conquer racism in the heart that flows out in our behaviors? I think we have to be rooted in the love of God, and we'll never be rooted in the love of God. The love of God doesn't mean anything unless we see the fear of God. And the fear of God, we can't fear God when we're so busy fearing man. That's my spiel. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good spiel. You should be a preacher. <laughs> He's working on it. Um, and, and I think I mean, it drives right into, um, I mean, that's where courage comes from. Right. Um, courage is, you know, the, the courage to stand, the courage uh, to try something, the courage to fail um, is, for a Christian, is based on the security, that knowing that, that you serve a God that will never cancel you. Right? Yeah, that's right. Christ was canceled on our behalf so that we Amen. would never be canceled. Um, and, and I think in the, I think your, 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 um, your juxtaposition, you're, you're holding those two things together. The, the assurance of salvation in a canceled culture is a fantastic one. 
um, and it's one that we need um, really badly. Am I truly saved? A study through First John with Pastor Joel Webin. It was even it was even promoted. It was blurbed by President Ben Merkel. Oh wow! Oh. St. Andrews College. Um, can, can, yeah, we get some, can we give some of these out? Who's, we got some we can give out, right? Who, yeah, who's a Presbyterian? It's going to be rightministries.com <laughs> forward slash cross-politic. So we just set up a page for you guys, so your Ooh. listeners. Oh. If you're following cross-politic right now, you can go to rightresponseministries.com forward slash cross-politic. It's an affordable price. Uh, it was just recently plugged with the uh, Just Thinking guys on their. Ep- they just did an episode on assurance. Wow! Uh, this cancel culture, man, it's it's bringing all the assurance boys to the yard. So, uh, man. So yeah, go check. I still can't believe people sometimes dismiss us. Who? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really? I don't think. I, I think he's imagining that nobody would dismiss us, would they? Yeah. <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. Hey, Joel, thanks for joining us, brother. I think he was trying to say something over thanks the baptize the babies part. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't hear. I didn't hear.